Lip spoilers and gas guzzlers. Dust down your drivetrain. Caress your clutch fork ball stud. And fuel pump and jump your bump dump chump. Because it's time to tump tull to me. <laughs> Were those all car references? Sure were, buddy. Oh. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together, we form the mega machine of... Feckless Momes. And this is... Talk Tull to Me. A surprise quality inspection in the assemblage factory of prog rock, in which Nitro Booster Nick and off-road Ready Omen will perform a government-mandated emissions test on every single musical model that collision-conscious rock band Jethro Tull has ever rolled off the lemon line. We will unplug David Pegg's purge valve, wipe clean the Peter John Vitesse vanity mirrors, and check the bolts on the Martin roll bar. For safety purposes. <laughs> and after checking your flute FICO score... Paying a Sky security deposit and confirming the Blackpool base price, we will hand over a new set of keys to the seat-belted Scotsman, Ian Aftermarket Accessory Anderson. Your FICO score, is that your credit report? Is that what it that is? is? It your is. credit score? Yeah. Is that, is that not the biggest, like, crock of shit in, in America? Is, is that, like, the biggest scam? Well, p- possibly the concept of credit itself is is an evil which has been visited upon us. Well, that is an, an evil per se, but I think the credit score is particularly ethereal and bullshit. They've actually recently changed it to make it a slightly less unfavorable to people of color. Oh, slightly less, though. Slightly... Yeah. Welcome, Nick. Hello. <laughs> this is the podcast, believe it or not. Where we talk tall? The very one. And today we have the amazing pleasure of filling up our tall engines with some real unleaded gasoline of a song. Do you put gasoline in your engine? <laughs> is that why is that why the Abarth is always in the shop? <laughs> Just hose it down. While I'm driving, I have a little I have a little uh, squirt gun that I'm constantly oh, yeah. shooting it in there with. That's not how that works? Yeah, no. No. Cool. That's yeah. Nick, what is the song that we are speaking about today? We are on the penultimate track off of this album. It is the first of the air quotes bonus tracks. It is Automotive Engineering. I'm so excited. I'm going to blow a cylinder. That's I've only heard you do that once and I never want to experience it again. I did it on the way up to my own wedding, remember? <laughs> That's not euphemistic. That, no, that's no. Like an actual thing, yeah. No, no. <laughs> a piston exited the engine. Not not where it belongs. Nope. Yeah. Anything before we listen to this uh, wonderful penultimate track? No, let's let's give her a listen. We've got a mailbag for the halfway there, but let's 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 talk about automotive engineering first. I'm putting my ears into sport mode. <laughs> Nick. Omen. That song really kicked me into fifth gear. Was that a first time for you or no? It is a semi-first time. Yeah. It's a soft first time. You always remember your semi-first time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do. I've I've listened to it in passing a couple weeks ago. I listened to it a couple times this morning. So this was not my first time. Okay. But it was my first time sober. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, totally different. Not as scary as I thought. No, I think for the purposes of this podcast to have a really productive conversation, I think the novelty of the first listen is outweighed by being able to really absorb these songs, and especially a song like this, it requires many listens. And you have to be in a firm frame of mind. You have to be unclouded. You have to be completely sober. That being said, this can of heroin is going straight into my eye. (laughs) You've been doing heroin wrong all this whole time, Nick. 
Oh, no wonder it hasn't done anything. So this is the penultimate track off of the album. I'm really curious to hear your take on A, if you enjoy the song, and B, how, if at all, this fits into the spy tema. Yeah, let's postpone B for the the halfway, I think. Okay. If we can dig through the lyrics, maybe we can get there. Yeah. But for for the answer to A, when I think about this song, out of the context of the album itself and out of the out of the listening, like if I just think oh, we're doing automotive engineering today. My first thought is like, eh, it's kind of one of my least favorite songs off of this album. Oh, interesting. But then when I listen to it, I'm kicking myself because it's not. It's it's so fun. It's really good. You are self-professed not a gearhead. I mean, clinically proven to be not a gearhead, yes. No gears in there. You're not. You're not particularly passionate about cars. Just feathers and maybe a couple of polyhedral dice. Yes. Yes. That's what's in my head. There's a lot going on in there. It rattles, yeah. Yeah. So perhaps when you think of the song, you think of the of the content and the and the title, and maybe that turns you off. Yeah, and I for some reason I forget the overall feeling of the song and how fun it is. The feeling is so fun. It's very kind of modern like pop prog. I would say prop I have techno funk. Yeah, it, it's really <laughs> odd. It's it reminds me of some of the, it, it almost reminds me of the the Talking Heads in a way. Oh, okay, I see that. Just with how absurdly overcommitted to the mechanical nature of the music yeah. this song is. Dum 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 dum. Paired with that, I think partially because it has science in the title, it also kind of is sounds like a harder version of She Blinded Me With Science. Yes, She Blinded Me With Automotive Science and Engineering. By Thomas Dolby. And also, Oingo Boingo, early Oingo Boingo, it definitely sounds like them as well. I'm not familiar with them. It's the band that Danny Elfman was in before he became a composer. It's super bizarre, and I highly recommend it. It's very good stuff. I'm going to listen to Weird Science. Okay, I see very much the comparison that you're making. It's very fast-paced. Yep. It's got a lot of digital kind of you know early digital sounds to it and it's just very in your face very like it's super funky yeah what this song i think does well is it does that beautiful tall thing mm-hmm. that we love where it manages to treat a subject with seriousness without taking either the subject or the treatment on the subject too seriously it respects it but in a silly way. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fine line. It's kind of hard to really describe what it is. But yeah, I, I think you're right. There's a level of tongue-in-cheek. Oh, yeah. There's a level of taking the piss. But it's a serious taking the piss, you know? Just it's, like the doctor did to me this past couple of weeks. He took your piss. Seriously. He seriously took your piss. Yes. <laughs> took it away in a little oh. jar. Oh, what did he do with it? I don't know. He wouldn't tell me. Oh. Did he, like, just put it into a briefcase and walk out. And then the real doctor came in and said, oh man, thank you for coming in. I don't think that man was a doctor. (laughs) I love how catchy the chorus of automotive science and engineering is. It shouldn't be as catchy as it is. After listening to it this morning while making coffee, I did my sun salutation and then sat down for my meditation. And instead of the, the beautiful void of existence revealing itself to me, All I heard in my head for five straight minutes was automotive science and engineering. And I was like, oh, this is this is great. Always great to listen to Tull right before meditating. Yes, but it is very catchy. It is. We've said this before. It is. This album is pop. And I think this is like a pop punk sound. It's a very weird way to present pop punk, but I think I would classify it that way. Yeah, it is. It's prog pop punk. Prog punk punk. Prog 
Omen, do you smell toast? What's going on? <laughs> Prog pop punk. I, I did it. So proud. Thank you. I'm going to edit out just the successful one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of, you know, like we've become accustomed to on this album, there are a couple of very early 80s whoa moments. Oh my God, the vocal ejacks in this are ripe. They are there with a vengeance. There's also some really fun use of the synth right after the line when big was better. Mm-hmm. We have a very silly synth sound going Yeah. It's really really funny. When big was better. It's like normal, you know, we've had 10 years or more of Jethro Tull. We've had 15 years of Jethro Tull. Yeah. And now for the first time, a Muppet is making their appearance in the band. Yeah, I'm here for it. I, I absolutely love it. I love yeah. it. No, it's great. Just like next week, we're going to talk about the vocal Ejax and say that, like, it's just borderline, like, one more sound and it would have been, like, absurd, but, like, they've they've collected all of the sounds and really used them to a, a really effective sound overall. This one is silly, but I don't hate it. The tumultuous barrage of these vocal ejects. Yeah, and it's not like they stick out because they're supported by things like the weird synth, the synth ejects, and the way that Martin is using his riffs, and even the bass. You know, everything sets itself up to... It's like one of those Dr. Seuss paintings where... You have one of those bizarre structures that in no way would stand up in real life. And when you look at it, you're just like, oh, it's chaos. But then the more you look at it, you're like, oh, wait a minute. No. Yeah. I'm becoming convinced that this is a structure that could stand just in a very unusual way. Yeah. Listening to the song, I'm convinced that it is structurally sound. All evidence to the contrary. I think to take a different analogy, I think a lot of the pieces that we've listened to on this album, including next week's, they're like, they're cohesive. They're like a, they're like a cake. Okay. This song is like a granola. A granola cake? No, just a granola. Okay. Because it's not, it's not being held together by anything. It's just all these pieces that just happen to be in a a bowl together. But if you were to spill them, they would be all disparate pieces. And you'd be like, how do these go together here? Right. Uh, yes, I, I see that. And then for me, what I see is, is that granola being formed into the shape of like a sandcastle, where if you remove <laughs> a single oat, the entire thing is going to collapse. Yeah. Structurally shady. But yet it works and it's delicious and it's catchy and we want it. Yeah. It's something, it's interesting, you know, when we get into the verses, we have a little bit of a, more of a prog feel, more of a prog construction on the melody. And it lulls us into thinking, ah, yeah, this is a Jethro Tull song, kind of like what we know. It's it's very cerebral. And then that chorus keeps coming back yeah. and throwing us into the pop pond. That industrial, like, bum, bum, bum. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You can just see PJV slamming his 18 fingers down on those keys for that effect. Yeah. Aside from the synth sound... So my favorite part, it's kind of a synthy sound, but it's the part at 1.30 after they say when the Japs are coming, it's like vocal and like, uh-huh. I don't know if it's flute or synth or, or both. I but think it's And there's the voice in there. It's so fun. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that moment because obviously when we talk about the context of the song, we'll talk more about this, but that refers to the Japanese the kind of move of the Japanese car makers coming into the, the Western car market. Right. Obviously, we don't refer to the Japanese as the Japs anymore, but Correct. that was a lot more common in the 80s. And then that little riff is borderline would be unacceptable today, perhaps, yeah. because it's it seems to be kind of making a reference to a, a more Eastern scale. Yeah. And so it's just a little, like, you know, it's a little dated, perhaps, but, you know, not nearly as bad as a lot of the stuff that was happening in the 80s regarding casual racism yeah there's kind of a plausible deniability there it's on the edge it's on the edge with the music 
which in itself is cutting edge to even consider that instead of just being like full out like and now bam. We'll hit a gong or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's in four four. Okay, it's a four by four. It's four on the floor. Okay, it's got four wheel drive. Yep, low ratio. Uh, oh yeah, super okay. low. Ian's voice is. He's hitting some very, perhaps the highest notes that we have ever heard in this song. It might be. It might be. We're moved to motor. We're moved to motor. Yeah, it is up there, yeah. You know, I have a, a similar natural range vocally to, I think, what Ian's range is, mm-hmm. which is not tenor. And those notes that he's hitting are notes that I can hit. With preparation. By standing on your tiptoes, like we saw Ian, like when the last time we saw, the last couple of times we saw him in concert, he would always, like, he would physically stretch. If I stand on your tiptoes, I can definitely reach them. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put you on my shoulders. But it's but it's a lot. And, if, and, and you know, speaking for me personally, if I am, I struggle with vocal support. You know, I, that's something I've always struggled with performance. And, yeah. And if I have to sing up that high, it wears Anything else to say musically, Nick? We have something in here that we haven't seen in a very long time, actually. Go on. It is the false ending. Oh, you are right. Oh, my Mm -hmm. goodness. Wow, yeah. It fades out, and then we hear a little... We hear a little vroom vroom, and then it, it yeah, fades yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a full full stop because the it's a rolling stop. The repetition of the it's a rolling stop. Yeah, the repetition of the chorus it fades in again. Yeah. until it it comes to the end. It's almost like the song drives away and then loops back on the mm. same track to come whizzing past you again. Yeah, you get the Doppler effect as, uh-huh. it, as it zips right uh-huh. by you. Yeah, that was the last thing that I have is that classic pull the rug out from under your false ending just when you think you're safe it's a fantastic track i'm a big fan of it yeah i'm a big intake air filter for it you are you are i'm sucking it into me and letting it cool me off so visceral thank you so evocative nick why don't we step into my body shop and read some of this mail I'm glad you added shop on to the end of that. Me too. <laughs> Master Nick! Ah, Master Roman! I'm so glad to see you here. Watch out for the oil spill! Yeah, Mary, this, this shop was clean when I left you this morning. I've added oil to all of your vehicles, and now we have to order more extra virgin. Oh, Mary, that's oh not, God. not yeah. all oil's the same. Did you know that? I always cook with whatever oil I find in the shop. Aha! Well, that explains that explains my tummy ache. Yeah. Why don't you go and read this manual, and we'll take that mail bag off your hands. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. I need something to wipe off my paws on. <laughs> She's so, so eccentric. Thank God it's laundry day. Stay away from the laundry, Mary. One thing at a time. Hey, okay, All so right. we got some uh, mail there, Nick. That we do. We're going to have ourselves a little a little sandwich here made on email bread. We're going to start with an email. Low calorie. Low calorie from Folky Phil, and then we will go from there. So this is from Phil. First time writer-inner? First time writer-inner. Oh Welcome, Phil. Yeah. What is Subject is Instrument of Torture. Phil writes, Gentlemen, greetings. I've been chortling along to talk to me on a daily basis for several weeks in a desperate attempt to catch up with your headlong scamper through the Tull catalog and have just heard your take on From a Deadbeat and in particular your disparaging of the strangled sax solo in that song. Oh, yes, I remember it well. As you will recall, even Mr. A describes it lyrically as an instrument of torture, and this brings to mind that the great man has said he gave up playing the bent brass bullhorn because he hated the feel of a wet reed in his bewhiskered gob. Don't we all? (laughs) One of many reasons to dislike the saxophone. Then, serendipitously, I chanced upon a video featuring the rumbustious Matt Berry 
who has also been mentioned in a past edition of Talk Tall to Me. My spirit animal. Reading a letter from comic artist Robert Crumb all about the saxophone. Oh, interesting. I thought you'd be interested. It's rather amusing. I, and I will put the link to that in the show notes. Very good. Thanks for the companionable entertainment. I'm enjoying revisiting the Tullniverse once again and contemplating in depth all the many stars, this time in your company. Keep on keeping on, I know I shall, and unless I hear that another Tull Skull has already done so by the time I catch up to your current output, I'll write again and tell you what March the Mad Scientist is really about. Ooh. Yours, Folky Phil. Phil, thank you so much for writing in. It's a pleasure to have you with us. We love being in your ears. And thank you for writing about the saxophone. I had not heard that particular tidbit about the the mouthfeel of the reed. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, big Matt Berry fan. Our next podcast is probably going to be Blaspheme Berry to me. Oh, yes. I like that. I'm here for that. And regardless of whether anyone else has written to us about March the Mad Scientist, we'd love to hear your take on it. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. So that being said, we have a review from our very same Folky Phil. Omen, why don't you read that? Oh my gosh. A passion project. Five stars. A show with huge ambition great inquisitiveness, companionable humor, and a passion to inform and be informed in turn. Talk Tull to Me has become a clubhouse for dedicated Tull Skulls worldwide where we can share the love and the accumulated knowledge of a half century of the greatest prog rock band of them all. Dive in. Thank you for those five stars. Thank you for using those big words to describe our little podcast very, very much appreciated. Uh, Nick, we also have a bit of a comment here. Oh, that's right. A comment t- directed to you specifically, it's Directly actually. to me, yes. We we'll, uh, always can tell it's going to be good when, it, <laughs> when it's directed to one of us. This is from the Tubes of You, specifically... My Tubes? <laughs> specifically referring to Y-E-U. Y-E-W. <laughs> I'm going to start a platform called YouTube, where it's, yeah. a, it's a sheep running down uh, oh, nice. cylinders, yeah. Yeah, I like that. This is in response to the Claire Holditch episode where we talked with Fabulous Flautist and musical mischief maker Claire Holditch. The writer Mirset says, great interview. By the way, Omen, Andrea Griminelli is still alive. Smiley face. <laughs> the story about the song Griminelli's Lament the essence of which you remember correctly, is described by Ian in Rupi's Dance CD booklet. Andrea Griminelli is a famous Italian flautist who possesses good looks, Latin charm, worldliness, exceptional musicality, and, temporarily, no girlfriend following a parting of ways. That is why I wrote for him this piece of music, which we played together on some concerts with orchestras in Italy in 2002. It combines Celtic and Baroque influences to symbolize our separate musical and cultural backgrounds. Didn't do a lot to cheer him up, really. I play both flute parts on this recording, as Andrea and James Galloway would both like to have performed the second flute part on the piece, and I didn't want to upset either of them. Now, I've probably upset both. (laughs) Oh, that's really interesting. First of all, thank you, Mirset, for writing in and um, clarifying that our reports of Andrea Griminelli's death were greatly exaggerated. Wonderful to hear that he's still alive. And I guess I must have read that and remembered the last part of it without remembering the first... Yeah. The actual reason why it was written, which was to cheer up the flautist after having separated from girlfriend, not to mourn his death. What an amazing friendship web... That when you break up with your girlfriend, Ian Anderson writes you a song. I have to point out, Nick, that you've never written a flute duet for me. That's true. Despite my numerous breakups. That's true. I'm I'm clearly not as dedicated a friend. Despite my Latin charm. <laughs> and, your, and your good looks. Yeah, you're right. Well, thank you so much for writing in, for clarifying. Always, always open to being corrected when we spout fallacies. You spout the fallacies regularly. I do. And finally, we have a return writer in her email. This is from Jimmy James. 
Yes. JJ. The subject is unwrapping. Mm-hmm. The message. Yes, gentlemen, I'm still here listening every week and loving it. This week, your stream of consciousness delivery somehow took us from nobody's car to Homer to the perils of sheep suffering from cheese drunkenness. It was an unexpected ride, believe me. You make me laugh. Thought I would drop you a little line with my thoughts about the overly underrated under wraps. This old tall skull bought the vinyl on release, of course, and thought my beloved tall had sold out. It seemed they'd succumbed to the pressure to get airplay alongside all the pop synth on AM radio. It went to the very back of the record bin in my house. Also, sadly, it was a line in the sand with many of my fellow Tull fans who cut old Ian and Martin adrift and waved goodbye. It wasn't until I went back to this album years later that I really appreciated it. They are really great songs. Under the complicated raps, the actual melodies are some of Ian's best. His voice is great and the lyrics superb. So, your under wraps unraveling is working for me. I'm looking forward to Heat, which I reckon is the best track on the album. Musically, I think Ian was like a schoolboy in a candy shop with the technology. He got overexcited. With fewer verbal ejaculations, the sound would have felt less crowded. But who am I to criticize the master? He sounds like he was having fun. By the way, you made a good point about Martin, who loved this album. The drum machine allows him to really shine. He's made quite a few comments about how complicated Ian's music was getting, and he felt he couldn't relax during live performances. His playing on this album is so creative. Keep up the great work, Momes. Jimmy James. Thank you, Jimmy James. Thank you, Mirset. Thank you, Phil. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. And if you're interested, Phil once had a podcast called Folkcast. Oh. He's not producing it anymore, but I listened to a couple episodes. It's on my to-do list to listen to. It's great. Go back and listen to old stuff. He basically just talks about folk music and plays folk music. And oh, it's, my god! It's darn wonderful. What a treat. So highly recommended there. And I think that's it for the halfway mailbag. Yeah, I think we're done here in the show. Uh, Master, Master Nick. I've uh, I filled up your tires with nitrous oxide. Do you mean nitrogen? No. The nitrous oxide goes in the engine, right? Like, isn't that supposed to boost the engine? Let me have a cigarette and think about... No, no. Oh. Nick, we need a new new body shot. It's a good thing he's a golem and is made out of clay and will reform over three days. That's right. Okay, content context of automotive engineering. Omen, the big question here that you asked at the top and that I have written in my notes is... I'm listening. How does this fit into our our spy genre? How does this fit into our story yeah. that we've been following thus far? I think I can answer that, and I think the way that it fits into the spy story that has been developing over this album is that it doesn't okay wow twist i was not expecting that (laughs) i think that there are elements that thematically relates to because i think that that what i'm realizing is that this album is not a concept album about the story of a spy it is a thematic album okay which uses a spy story and spy tropes and themes as a through line or perhaps as a frame but what i think this album is actually about is the sudden advances in technology i mean it's built into the music Mm. it's about the technology it's about the international geopolitical and economical relationships that were in the world at the time that were causing conflicts into which spies got involved interesting Okay. But I think I think that overall you don't need I don't think that we need to try to fit every song into the spy-shaped hole. Now that being said, we could say okay, this is the song in which the spy is getting his car outfitted by the kind of Q character. Okay. Yeah. I I I can see that. I mean, that's <sighs> That's the best you can do, though, I think. For me, yeah. Now, I'm curious to hear if you are picking up on something that I have totally lost out on. I'm not. That's the problem. 
And if we look at the idea that you just said was that it's ultimately the technology and the advancements and, and how it all ties in that way, this fits in that concept. But boy, howdy, is it a bummer that it doesn't fit into the spy concept as well. But also, we have to think about the context of this song as a proto-bonus track. It's possible right. that Ian wrote 30 songs. Yeah. Or Ian and PJV wrote 30 songs. And then in looking at them, decided, you know what? These 10, these 12, however, however many are on the initial vinyl release, these number kind of have this theme running through them. Best tell the story of this this spy theme. We're going to put those together because it'll be nice and cohesive. But we have all this other stuff. And oh my God, that yeah. automotive engineering song is so good. We have to include it somehow. It slaps. It doth slap. It certainly slaps. I, I guess... I mean, I don't... Th- I can see the disappointment in your voice. Not everything is about spies. I'm a completionist, and I like to see that cohesive, like, glistening, perfect finished thing. Yeah, sure. And this is kind of like a scratch in the paint. The world must be a frustrating place for you. <laughs> Boy, is it. Boy, is it. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. I'm not sure we'll ever really know and get an explanation Unless they remaster this and put it out with actual drums and get the story behind it and have all the other bonus tracks. Not that they've ever said they will, but I mean, it is it is a hot topic amongst us Tall Skulls. Amongst you and I. Yeah. I would offer two solutions. A, simply use your imagination to put a spy into this song, even though <laughs> there's no words referencing the spy's location there? Yeah. Or B, take this song out of the album, which I give you permission to do because it's a bonus track, and put it alongside of four-wheel drive. Okay. And make a mini Jethro Tull car album. It's a, Just make it an LP, yeah. It's an LP. It's the car LP. Yeah. Cars! <laughs> yes. I mean, in this digital age, it's certainly easy to do that. And I, I don't... Okay, wait a second. Everybody shut up. Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> you heard the man. <laughs> I do like the idea that that you said that it's like maybe him getting kitted out. Sure. With Q. I mean, there's always a car chase in, in Bond oh, absolutely. films, isn't there? Absolutely. So It's a major part of that story is, is yeah. the equipment. So there's that. And also, the last tiny little verse there my favorite part take a trip in your freudian slip uh-huh. dr ferdinand ferdy ferdy uh-huh. has you in his grip The car in James Bond is an extension of his manhood. Oh, absolutely. You I know, mean, that's, that's, yeah. The Aston Martin, I think, was the original, right? And then they added all sorts of other things, but... No, no, it was, it was always, it's always been an Aston Martin. Oh, is it still? Oh, I, always I... an Aston Martin, yep. It's always updated, but it's oh, always okay. an Aston Martin. Because it's a British vehicle. I think I'm going to go on the record now at the end of this album and say I've never watched a single James Bond movie. Wow. Yeah. Really? It's never interested me. Not even the Pierce Brosnan ones? Nope. I played the hell out of Goldeneye on N64. That was a joke because the Pierce Brosnan ones are, in my opinion, the worst ones. Oh, are they? Oh, yes. But that's the era of, like, the terrible the 90s, 90s movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, everything was bad in the 90s. I mean, you don't need to watch them. No one's forcing you to watch them. There's a man with a gun upstairs. I've been downstairs a for... A golden gun. <laughs> golden gun, yeah. In Goldeneye... The golden gun is a one-shot, one-kill. One-shot kill, like... Yeah, yeah. It's an instant kill. And it's For those of you three nerds out there that are actually... That are listening to this podcast and yearn for those days, the Nintendo Switch... <gasps> no, the, the Nintendo... What is it? The online subscription that they have 
that gets you access to Nintendo games and Sega games and N64 games, they're releasing GoldenEye next year. They remade it. I don't know. They must have finally worked with Rare to remake it. So that's terribly exciting for for all three of you and me. That is terribly exciting, whatever all that meant. Now, (laughs) I, I wanted to suggest something else. If you want to custom build, if you want to add some aftermarket pieces to this song, Nick, you could create a villain called Dr. Ferdinand. Okay. And make that the villain who's got you in his grip. Okay, yeah. I see that. I will shortly ruin that. No. I will ruin that illusion here in a minute. I'm going to take off the headphones. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good. I'll tell you to put your hands over your ears. <laughs> so, but let's let's go back to the beginning of this song. Automotive okay. engineering. Automotive science and engineering. Automotive science. I want to jump to the second verse because I think that I have the key to unlocking this song. I just, I want to say how satisfying science and appliance as a rhyme are. That's all. Yes, absolutely. Continue. (laughs) Absolutely. In the hands of science, the complete appliance. The second verse reads, when big was better and fast was chic, the oil was cheaper, now we're up the creek. But the Japs are coming, and everyone's turboed, and carbon fiber is the way to go, go. When the biz was better, and fast was oh, the oil was cheaper, now we're up the creek. But the Japs are coming, and everyone's turbo. If you look at the difference between car manufacturing in the 1970s and the 1980s, you will notice that the 70s was dominated by the muscle cars. You know, the big American brands, the Corvette, the Mustang, the Camaro. These were long, heavy machines that they just could jam as much engine under the hood as they wanted and didn't care about the weight increasing because they would just add more power to the engine. You know, they had... A huge, huge amounts of horsepower, and they used up a lot of gas. A lot of, a lot of two-seater, beautiful things. When you move into the 1980s, the development of automotive science allowed the creation for smaller but still powerful engines. And so you have the advent of what they call the hot hatchback, which is a smaller car, often a four-seater, that weighs very little, And still has a lot of engine power, not as much as the muscle cars, but the engine power is good proportionate to the size of and the weight of the car. The turbo that's referred to there is, I'm not actually sure when it was invented, but it it became more common at this time. Everybody's turboed. The turbo is is a device that captures the exhaust going out of the engine and recycles it back into the engine to capture that power to give further power to the engine. So the more, the more power that you are producing by the engine, the more power is recaptured. And so it, it increases the efficiency and it gives you an insane burst of acceleration. I have a turbo in my Avart 500. And the Avart 500 is actually an amazing example of the hot little hatchback, a more modern example. It weighs as much as a shoe, but has more power than God. So it thinks. <laughs> it's like a barking chihuahua basically, is what you're saying. It's like a chihuahua on cocaine, yes. Yeah, fair enough. It feels like driving a chihuahua. (laughs) So some of the cars that came out in the 80s were the Volkswagen Golf GTI, which Mm. I want very much. The Golf is, you know, a very small car. The GTI stands for Grand Touring Injection. So it was kind of designed to be a long-haul vehicle that still had performance. Huh. Then you also had the the Peugeot 205 GTI, the Ford Escort, and the Vohal Astra GTE. So these were all affordable, lightweight, you could park them anywhere, good for England, and super, 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 super fun to drive. So that, I think, is really what this song is about, is this kind of shift in the world of cars from these just big, overbuilt, heavy machines to the more technologically advanced, smaller fun front wheel as opposed to back wheel 
cars. And if you look through, there's a lot of references to this kind of thing. Carbon fiber is the way to go. Carbon fiber, I actually didn't realize it was present back in the 80s, but you can make paneling and stuff out of carbon fiber rather than steel, which yeah. makes r- reduces the weight considerably. I think it's hideously ugly, but people now put carbon fiber on everything. It's like the new chrome. But can't it be shaped and painted and molded to look just like the steel would be? Like, what? how does it look ugly? I just think it's gross looking. Yes, you could paint it, but the reason that one of the reasons that people like it exposed is because you know, oh, that's carbon fiber. Oh. Oh, is that like the crosshatchy? Yes, that cro- black oh, crosshatchy, yes. That's, that looks dumb, yeah. It looks like a toy. Yeah, I mean, in the right application, but... Down to the robot factory, you know, it's, I believe that there was a shift to more, you know, now that we have technologically advanced computers and robots, we have the ability to manufacture through things through robots, which makes things a lot more efficient. Toyota and the Japanese were huge proponents of that. So the fact yeah. that the, the Japanese are coming is the entrance of Toyota into the car market, which was really, really made a huge upheaval. And also with the, the robot factory, the components got way more complex with all of these things yeah so you needed you needed things that could do this as opposed to fumbling human fingers absolutely you know when whenever i get my abart serviced if i have any serious work to be done on it they can't just open up the hood and see everything and go in there and do it they have to open up the hood and remove the engine that's bananas because otherwise you can't get to any of the parts so you have to take the engine out to service it then put it back in Luckily, it's the size of a balled-up sock, so it's okay. Yes, exactly. Here's another little fun thing. I think I'm going out on a limb here. Do you drive a Spitfire? Do you slide on a tea tray? This is getting very esoteric. A Spitfire, of course, was the, the British plane that helped Britain stave off the German... Luftwaffe and and win the the war in in Europe. Yep. But sliding on a tea tray I think refers to a very particular practice with front wheel drive vehicles. So if you have a back wheel drive vehicle, you can rev it up to within an inch of its life and you can drift. Oh yeah, right. Because the back wheels are spinning so fast that they're not really making as much contact with the ground and so you can kind of drift around these tracks. That's also what doing donuts is, right? Like, that's how you would do a donut? Yes. Now, on a front-wheel drive car, you can't do that. Because if if your front wheels aren't making enough contact with the pavement, you lose the ability to steer. Yeah, right. But some people still want that feeling of drifting. And so what they will do is they will take plastic, what we would think of as lunch, school lunch trays. Yeah. Put two of them underneath the rear wheels. And then you can drive, I think it's called schooning, you can drive the car and the back end will whip around like crazy and fishtail all over the place and you can get the sensation of drifting, but it's with a front wheel drive car. That is one of the craziest things I've heard in a long time. I've never tried it. I want to do it, but I believe that that's what do you slide on tea trays as a reference to. I could be wrong. It sounds right. The way I interpreted it without knowing what schooning is was they're two opposite sides of the spectrum uh, in terms of transportation. You know, you're you're up in a super crazy powerful jet plane yes, or, yeah. or airplane. And to me, sliding on a tea tray is they'll take a, a lunch tray and sled down a hill. Absolutely. Totally. You know, that that's a great point. I didn't think of that. But you're absolutely right. And that's a great dichotomy to say, is it a spitfire or is it are you sliding downhill on a plastic tray? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and it doesn't even seem like disparaging, like, oh, is your car a tea tray? It's really more like, we have these options now. Like, what are you choosing to yes. drive? Yes, whereas in the previous generations of cars, there was pretty much, you know, there were a couple options. Yeah. Yeah, either like a couple of sedans or the muscle cars. Right, yeah. exactly. Or stuff that was way far out of anyone's price range, like a Ferrari or a Porsche. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Porsche, now comes the part of the podcast where I ruin your dreams. Ferdinand Porsche? Exactly. Take a trip in your Freudian slip. Dr. Ferdinand Porsche. He was the the starter of the Porsche. He actually invented the very first hybrid electric gas engine. Oh, cool. That was in production 
between 1900 and 1905. Wow. Funny, right? That's a man ahead of his time. He feels like a Tesla to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that ruins my feeling of it. I think it just ties in and really, really seals the deal of the spy character needing, requiring a car that can do all of these things. And the Mm. Porsche can do that for him. Yeah. Kid it out, obviously. But I mean, you're not going to start with a Prius, you know? No. Aftermarket souped up Prius. Yeah. I'm sure it exists. I've always wanted to do a Prius body with like a Corvette engine inside or vice versa, like a Corv have a Corvette with a Prius engine inside. (laughs) It'd be amazing. Well, so that's kind of, you know, nowadays what the kids will do. The joke is, you know, cars have different additions. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's the, it's the rain. It's the, it's the rancher edition. It's the whatever. Yeah. The joke on the internet is shitbox edition. (laughs) It used to be called a jalopy, but yeah. Yeah. In modern parlance, a shitbox is any super old, falling apart car that a kid will buy and then replace everything except for the body. And so there are cars out there. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that. That's funny. That look absolutely like a piece of shit. And if you're not, you know, aware of it or don't see the kind of telltale signs of the of the exhaust system, you might be very surprised that it has a Corvette engine or something like <laughs> yeah. that. It takes off or they've put, you know, one one thing I've heard about people doing this is sort of awful is renting a U-Haul and stealing the U-Haul engine, replacing, swapping the engine out wow. for, their, for whatever car they have. So, you know, you can put, I mean, it's all just science, right? It's all yeah. just if you know how to do it, you can put a U-Haul massive truck engine into a Prius. Why not? And then you could drive around that, I guess. <laughs> I don't understand the appeal, but I suppose I understand. But I feel like I, I think you hit the nail on the head that this is an era where the availability of different ways of driving, of different options for driving is really exploding. And even that line, yeah. do you fly a Spitfire or do you slide on a tree, a tea tray or walk on a short trip Sundays or drive come what may? Are you somebody who likes to enjoy walking or are you so diehard about your car that you'll drive down to the bank, which you could walk to just for the sheer pleasure yeah. of driving? And at the the very end of that line is enjoy the imperative. It's saying yes. whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, have fun. Go at it. I wonder if this was a time when vehicles were becoming more accessible to the working person in sure. England. Yeah. And when it was shifting from the working class take the trains or buses and the upper class drive to more now kind of everybody drives. Yeah. And even the working class can have a really fun car. Yeah, that's interesting. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if if we saw that kind of transition around this time. We're moved to motor. And the, the more readily available and the more variety there is, the more interesting it gets to people you know the more intrigued people can get about a vehicle as opposed to like oh it's these three options i don't really need a car so i'm not going to bother but if something new hits the market yeah it's kind of more gourmand yeah and in this context to motor is a verb meaning to drive a car right yeah we're moved to drive a car even though we don't need to yeah possibly yeah no i think that's it exactly And that has happened because of this automotive science and engineering. In a way, it's the parallel. It's sort of holding up a rearview mirror to the... <laughs> to the... Uh, oh, you laughed and it, my joke landed and it made me forget what I was actually saying. <laughs> I was just so pleased. <laughs> it holds a, a mirror up to the technological process that is happening in this very album with the technology of music yeah that's very true yeah i think that across the album we have you know what it reminds me of is batteries not included oh sure yeah yeah i see that off of a yeah there is a lot of parallel between these two albums i think absolutely absolutely they both begin with 
vowels. vowels. <laughs> Honestly, I think we can see something of a comparison he- with this song to what's happening right now with electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. They're becoming more readily available. We saw that crazy level of unattainable with the Tesla being so absurdly priced, but now you can get a Nissan Leaf, you know. Or a Chevy Volt. Yeah, exactly. And of course the Tesla has better performance, but for what you need, a Nissan Leaf would be great. It would work just fine. Yeah, and Tesla has kind of become the new Dr. Ferdinand who's got us in in their grip. We are gripped by this idea of a technological advance and whether yeah. or not we can afford the Porsche, or we have to settle for the Vohal, or maybe it's Voxel. It is Voxel. Is it? Yeah. I remember now. <laughs> Whether we have to settle, settle for the Voxel, we are compelled to attain this technological advancement. And let's not lie to ourselves. The Tesla is 100% a Freudian slip. <laughs> Everything that man does is a Freudian slip. SpaceX... Sex. Sex. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tesla models are S, E, and X. No, he's... He's, he's a, a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a lot of money. <laughs> With a lot of money. That being said, you see sex in every single song that we do, so, but I mean... I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> That's the difference, you Oh, okay. See. Okay. <laughs> and Teslas do have an incredible performance. They do, yeah. In my Fiat 500 Abarth, I can, from a dead stop, outrun pretty much any stock car that's on the market. Yeah. But not the Tesla. It has such an absurd acceleration. I mean, it's it's just it's so unnecessary. Yeah. And and it makes me a little jealous. Probably the cause of many accidents. Possibly? Yeah. 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 So, okay, before we wrap this up, there there's only one last thing that I want to say. Sure. So on the positive side, we have yes, all these fantastic new options with cars, this kind of res- you know blooming of the diversity of all the different things you could drive. Uh-huh. But at the same time, things are becoming more robotic. Things are becoming more digital. There is a slight loss of the human element. Yeah. And I wonder if there was a note of regret or a note of sorrow in this song about Yes, we're making all these technological advancements. Yes, things are getting smaller and bigger and faster and and more efficient. But what are we losing with all that? Yeah. I think that can be applied to really anything of this era, mid-80s, and this era now, like whether it's automotive engineering or not, the, the more technologically advanced we get, the easier it makes our jobs the more removed we are from things, the the less we understand what's going on, the less self-reliant we are. Yeah, I mean, the whole point, the whole reason that the Golf GTI was successful is because it's freaking fun to drive. Yeah. The Golf UTI? <laughs> that's, that's what I got at the Golf UTI war. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. You know, it's a stick shift. It's got crazy acceleration. It's got personality. You know, it's just so much fun. That's why I love. That's why I love my Abarth. Have I mentioned my Abarth, my Fiat 500 Abarth before, Nick? I'm not sure. Do you have a car, Omen? I thought you walked everywhere. But now we're getting into this era now, 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 where you know cars are beginning to drive themselves. They can park themselves. They'll tell you when you're lane shifting. Yeah. You can take your hands off the wheel for a little bit. Maybe take a little nap. They don't recommend that. But are we losing the fun? of driving are we in danger of losing the fun of driving i think there are fewer people who find driving fun you know it is just it is a practical thing that gets you from point a to point b i I think society has evolved away from that because there's so much else since i work from home i only drive for fun you drive for fun to go to get groceries (laughs) yes Next week, we will be under-wrapping it up with the final bonus track off of this album. Nick, do you know what it is? I know what it is. Do you know what it is? I think he's crossing. The general is crossing. He's crossing! Until next week, there is no human testing. 
on our branded Talk to Ultimate t-shirts. They are straight from the Robat Factory, and you can wear them on your gleaming robotic body. Nothing made of carbon fiber, though, I don't think. Only my hip. Slide on a tea tray all the way over to Apple Podcasts, where you can give us five stars and a rave review so that other potential tall skulls can find this little gem of a podcast in the miasma of noise. Whether you fly a Spitfire or you take a short walk on the Sundays, why not listen to two extra podcasts that are available for only $5 a month by joining our Patreon page. That also gives you access to our discount accord. That also gives you access to our Discord account, which is full of other enthusiasts like yourself. That spoonerism of... Discord account to discount accord is amazing. I don't know. I can't. I'm not responsible for what happens in my head, Nick. No, clearly. Until next week, I am neither fast nor chic, Nick McGill. I am cheaper than oil, Omen Thomas said. We are the complete appliance, the feckless momes. And Talk Tall to Me is the way to go, go. Ah. Come in. Ah, Herr Doctor, thank you so much for seeing me on such short notice. Welcome, Freddy. Welcome. Uh, take a seat, please. Yes, Doctor. Uh, may I sit ramrod straight like one of mine pistons? Please do. Straight. Mm. Yes. Yes. Taking notes, yeah. Very straight. My whole body is strong like iron and steel. Straight. Do you identify with being straight? Oh, yes, I am so straight all the time. Correct. Ah, yes, just like in the glory days, we, anything that wasn't straight, bang, bang, is dead. Oh, yes, yes. Do you feel sorrow at the death at all? Sorrow? The only thing that I feel sorrow about, Dr. Freud, is when I see a worker who is being unproductive. Because, yes, you see, everything must be such straight lines when we were making the Tiger Tank, originally called the Ferdinand, which helped to win, almost win the war. Mm. I would see the soldiers, who were also the workers, the worker soldiers, when sometimes they would be smoking a cigarette in the corner, or going to the bathroom to relieve themselves. And it flew me into a rage. I would like to go back to the tank for a moment, the tiger tank. You you named it after yourself, is that ah, right? Ah, yes, the tiger tank was a, a triumph of German and Austrian engineering. One of my finest moments. So good. Uh, Do you know it is very mm, catering to the ego to name something so, so large after yourself? And it is an explosive, long, shafted thing. Yes, yes, 88mm anti-aircraft gun! Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, they could become stuck in the mud. Hmm. How do, how do you feel about getting stuck in the mud? Well, it, it fills me with a, with a feeling uh, like, like I have low-grade engine oil being poured into my brain, Dr. Freud. Like, like something from the inferior races! Yes, yes. So you, so you, you view yourself as superior. Is that right? All of my engines are superior to everyone else's. Yes, Dr. Freud. Please. I must be superior. Sit back down. Sit back oh. down, please. Oh, please. I nearly sprung a leaf spring. Have a cigarette. Yes. Put it in your mouth. Oh. Yes. Oral you, fixation. Yes, yes, I fixated my oral. Yes. Did you see how I smoked it all in one draft? The lung power is impressive. Like an old-fashioned Renault C6V sucking the air into it to make explosive use of the gasoline to destroy mine enemies! 
you have a, a fixation with things that uh, explode and and burst and. Uh... Oh yes, I feel oh. close to bursting right now, Doctor Foyd. Yeah, yeah. Please uh, don't do it on the carpet. When I was visiting Henry Ford in Detroit, in the Americas, ah. I saw that all of his workers were in such straight lines. I took him into my arms. I embraced him with my mustache and I said. Oh, Henry Ford, how can I be so gluckenstraight as just like you? Yeah. And he whispered to me with his hard hands. He put me on a, on a lunch tray and took me into the common dining area. And he sat me down and he said, Ferdy, Ferdy, I will tell you my secret. And what did he say to you, Ferdinand? Oh, Dr. Freud, I have never repeated these words for fear that it would gluckspricken in mein Oedelspurgel. This is a safe place to gluckspricken in your Oedelspurgel, Ferdinand. This is why I come here before returning to Stuttgart. He said to me, Tuck tal to me, is I'm proud member of this feckless momische audio networking. <laughs> Got a little Dutch on that one. <laughs> Hail horsepower!